Well, oh, you're still up there. They're going to listen to the sermon from back there. Well, my opening illustration is our praise team today. I want you to be able to see them. So I'm going to stand right here. Sorry for all of you. Garrett, will you play something for me that is out of tune? Something good. (laughs) That just doesn't sound good, does it? If he, as an individual, is out of tune. Abby, can you play something that's in tune? Angel, how about in tune for me? Nice. Now, if you guys were now in, now that, can you get back in tune, please? Yes. Okay, can now, you're going to try to here. We'll give you a second. Sometimes the, the principle is it takes a while for people to get in tune. Sometimes longer than others. That's, that's me. That's me. <laughs> sure. Ah. Semi. Semi. Semi in tune. That's okay. Can you now, now that you're semi in tune, all of you play in sync. Maybe holy is the Lord. In sync. Not like in sync the band, but in sync. Now watch what happens if somebody gets out of sync. That just sounds awful. Now go back and sing. We want to end on a good note. End in sync, please. In sync. All right. All right. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give them a hand for being... uh, Being my guinea pigs today. Garrett and the praise team were playing both in tune and out of tune, in sync and out of sync. And uh, individually, they have to be in tune. And as a group, they have to be in sync. Uh, On Tuesdays, starting last week, it'll go to Monday and Wednesdays in April. I coach a team in soccer and they're made up of individuals. There's a goalie, there's defenders, there's midfielders, there's strikers. But they're a team put together to accomplish a goal. Uh, You may have heard about diversity and that you need to diversify your portfolio. There are men who who build their businesses on Ecclesiastes 11.2, give a portion to seven or to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. And their whole idea is you need to have a diversified portfolio. More on that in June and July. But we as a church need to understand unity and diversity. Uh, The church is a team. We have one mission, just as is the mission of the Vale Valley Soccer Club, U9 Boys, is to win games with good character and playing according to the rules. So we too as a church have one mission, but there are many, many positions. And to the extent that we grow in grace as a team according to our abilities and positions, that is how we will accomplish God's mission. Uh, Just as the praise team must work together, so we as a praise team, in quotes, must be in tune and in sync. And so today I want to give you an encouragement. We'll see Barnabas today to see God's glory in gospel unity and gifted 
diversity. If you want to follow along in your Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. The outline of that chapter should look like this. It's Peter's report. Gospel unity verses 1 through 18 and the church at Antioch, this gifted diversity verses 19 through 30. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to read the entire chapter and then we're going to look first at what this says about God and then second, what it says about his church. Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now the apostles and brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained to it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners And it came down to me looking at it closely. I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they had heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyrus and Cyrene, who coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. A great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas 
and Saul. Father, thank you for your word. I pray now that you would give us open minds to be to pay attention to the truth. I pray that you would give us receptive hearts to be affirmed where we need to be affirmed, changed where we need to be changed. And I pray that we would walk away from here more unified, more understanding of our diversity as Christians, that we are all, those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, under one name, we have one king, and his name is Jesus. I pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, what I want to do is I first want to relate this. If you were here last week, you saw the first half of this chapter is really just a repetition of what we covered in detail last week. And so the idea is before we begin talking about church unity and church diversity, I want to relate this story to God's glory. And so in the first section there, starting in about verse four, where Peter explains to those who had um, challenged him on why he would eat with the Gentiles, we see four things about God, and we touched on these last week, that there is a divine revelation. God had revealed to Peter in a vision that he should go. And there is divine instruction. God had given Peter a mission. You are to go with these men, and you are to preach to them the good news. And then we saw last week, and we took our time on this, that God was preparing one man in Joppa, one man in Caesarea, those two men were acting independent of one another, but God was putting together the circumstances that in his providence, the gospel could be proclaimed and many people could come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And this less led to a divine action that but in both stories last week and today, you hear Peter talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon these people and changing their lives. We too, church, have seen God's vision in the Bible. There is a kingdom come. There is a king who reigns in a world who needs to hear of his grace. We too have received God's mission that we are to go and make disciples of all the world, identifying them with this Trinitarian God and training them to act on what they've learned. We too, church, can experience God's providence as we look back over our life and we see God orchestrating how we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and how we are used in the life of others. And we too, church, have been saved by the power of God in the work of the Holy Spirit. We too can be a part of the process to faithfully share the word and watch God work on the human heart. Isaiah 64, 4 says this, for of old, no one has heard or I has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. And so before we begin and see this idea of unity and diversity within the church, we must set this in the foundation for which it belongs, God's glory, that he is the one who reveals, instructs, prepares, and acts. Amen? And so what I want to do now, having read to you the chapter, I just want to apply this chapter to the church. That in 1 through 18, I'm going to give you nine things on unity and in 19 through 30 just three things on diversity about three times as many items on unity and I was thinking about that this morning notice how it's even laid out first the report to the church is what unifies them and then you see this church at Antioch made up of different people 
Why nine versus three? It's because we need to hear three times more on unity than diversity. We specialize in diversity, especially here in America, America. We specialize in diversity. And so we need to hear about unity. And so what I'm going to do is just walk through nine points on unity with the verse out to the side. So if you want to go and check the verse, you may, but I want to show you from this chapter that we are to live for something bigger than ourselves. First point is this. It's not even from this chapter. It's from the context of Acts. Unity is based on intentional relationships. If we were to go back, Peter was about uh, going about in the land and staying in Judea and Samaria. That's in Acts 9, that he's in the land. And he sought relationships. He went to different people's houses. And so unity cannot exist apart from intentional relationships. <coughs> Excuse me. Unity is based on intentional relationships. It's not going to happen. Um, just you wake up one day and all of a sudden there's unity. It is as one person and another person get together and they build intentional relationships. But right as this chapter begins, we face one of the biggest things in unity. It's number two. Unity is a constant battle against misunderstandings. In verse three, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. On the surface, that is absolutely true. That is what Peter did. But they had a misunderstanding of what was going on. And more often than not, a church becomes Uh, divided when there are misunderstandings. Somebody takes something wrong, they don't give them a chance to explain, and we go and we perpetuate our ignorance. Unity is a constant battle against misunderstandings. Thus, unity demands that we make decisions based on the truth. But Peter began and explained to them in order, let me take a step back and let me explain to you what happened. And this is the truth. Always in the church, always when you want to build unity, always when there's misunderstandings and there's conflict, you want to gather all the facts. Once you gather all the facts, then you can make good decision. But unity, which is a constant battle against misunderstandings, it demands that we make decisions based on the truth. Those are the two that kind of front load this chapter. But then here's probably the most important Point on unity. Unity shines brightest through personal transparency. Peter did not have to say, and this happened three times. Peter did not have to be humble enough to say, I was basically arguing with the Lord three times about this, you know, because I'm so pure. I've never done this. Unity shines brightest through personal transparency when somebody in humility can say, you know what, this is the truth and here was my part in it. Fifthly, unity is God's work of providence. That God is the one behind the scenes working out the details of life. Do we make our decisions? Amen. Are we responsible for those decisions? Amen. But it's God who is at work putting together the people of the church. There's a reason you are here today. I don't know necessarily the individual reasons of every person in here, but God does. 
and he is at work behind the scenes. There's a reason some of you are attached to and members of this church. There's a reason others are in other churches, but it's God who is at work behind the scenes. Unity is a work of God's providence. That just as, as Peter says, and behold, at that very moment, verse 11, men arrived at the house. God had been working on Peter's heart. God had been working on um, Cornelius's heart. And at the time he wanted them to meet, they met. Sixthly, unity is celebrated in ceremony. If we go back to chapter 10, the thing that Peter did, he says, what can keep us from baptizing those who had received the Holy Spirit? Unity is celebrated in ceremony. That's why a few weeks ago, we went together to the Gypsum Rec Center and we celebrated together in a hot tub because it's cold outside. That's why in the summer we were out there and we were baptizing someone and somebody came by in a, in a uh, paddle boat and they said, welcome to the family because they recognized the ceremony that was going on and they wanted to be a part of it. Unity is celebrated in ceremony. We did that just last week. Um, Was it last week? It was last It was last Saturday. We celebrated a ceremony where two people came together. Unity is celebrated in ceremony. We're on the same team. Welcome to the family. Number seven, and I'll read 18, verse 18 of chapter 11 before I do this. When they heard these things, these these are the ones who had initially challenged Peter through their misunderstanding, hadn't yet heard the truth. When they heard the truth, When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Unity is based on God's grace, experienced by faith and nurtured in a life of repentance. Not only does God work out the circumstances, but with apart from his grace, we'll never be unified. We'll never be unified. And it's experienced as we in faith trust. And it's nurtured in a life of repentance. God has granted, that means grace, that means it's a gift, that means it's given repentance. What kind of repentance? A repentance with the result that leads to life. We, as we live, should always be living in a state of repentance, turning from the world turning to God. It was the first, we call ourselves Protestants. It was the very first of the 95 theses that was nailed to the door at Wittenberg. In German, you say that with a V, Wittenberg. Nailed, nailed to the door. The first one is all of life is a life of repentance. And that gets such a, that like repentance and submission are like the two, you know, Dirty words you can't mention in the church. And those are the two most freeing, the most uh, encouraging words that when we repent, when we turn from our evil, sinful ways and we turn away from them and turn to God, I just want to go back to Acts 3 just for a second and read to you what happens. (coughs) Peter said, repent, therefore, and turn back. Number one, that your sins may be blotted out. But I've done so much bad. It's gone. Clean slate. You're blotted out. 
Do you believe that, Christian? And that times of refreshing may come. You mean when I turn and I repent, life is better and refreshing? Like taking a a dip in a pool on a hot day. And that you may send, that he may send the Christ appointed for you. You mean when I repent and I turn to the Lord and this is a constant lifestyle, it is so orchestrated in the grand plan of God that he will send his Lord Jesus Christ when it's perfect time and the last person repents. Unity is based on God's grace. It is experienced by faith and it's nurtured in a life of repentance. F.F. Bruce in his commentary on this chapter said of these who had just learned of the truth, criticism ceased and worship began. And number eight, unity doesn't mean there's an absence of authority. We live in a culture, we live in a day and age when to be unified means there's no leader, there's no one uh, who's above or over a situation. But if you go to verse 30 of this chapter, and they did so sending it the relief to the elders. It is the first use of the, bo- the word elders in the book of Acts. And it shows us right here that the gospel is moving from this apostle oriented few to spread to the local church with elders established over that church. And so unity does not mean that there is an absence of authority. In fact, we see that the Gentiles in Antioch were giving to the Jews and they were doing so and they were following a structure. They were taking it to the elders to be dispersed as the elders saw fit. And so there you see it, nine things on unity. Notice when we were up here, if you want to get a, a, an example of leading, when I said, now play in sync. Canaan didn't lead. Angel wasn't over there. Hey, here I go. You saw Garrett turn around and nod. And he said, one, two, three, boom. Even then it takes a leader. And so that is the church that is unified. Now I want to look at the church that is diversified, but I want to begin with 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. And then we'll go back to Acts chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says this. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Spirit, Lord, God, the Trinity is all over that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, right there in our mission, the Trinity right here in our diversity. And notice, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. There is one God who gives all the gifts, and everybody in here, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you are a Christian, you, my friend, have a gift. It's not like you got to the, you know, you got to, you were the last in line. You came up to the Lord to get your gift. And he's like, I am plumb out. I mean, you get to be a part of the body. 
but you know, you're just a freckle. Sorry, you, you serve no purpose here. To each, notice that, to each is given a manifestation of the spirit and capture this for the common good, for the common good of the church. This is not for the common good of the world. That is not the same here. This is for the common good is to be the building up of the body of Christ. I begin there so you see that Paul and Luke, they're on the same page. Back to Acts 11. I have but three points I want to make on diversity. I'll reread verses 19 and 20 just to set the context. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Diversity means we relate to those outside our comfort zones, geographically, culturally, racially, theologically, morally, that we relate to people outside our comfort zones and we get near them so they can hear the preaching of the Lord Jesus. In this day and age and in this time, the key focus was the joining of the Jew and the Gentiles. So the emphasis was on race. Race doesn't matter at the cross. That's what Lauren French I gave him the most difficult passage of scripture last week to read, Ephesians uh, 2, 11 through 22, but I had him read it showing that the barrier has been broken down, the wall is gone, and we are unified, and there is no, God doesn't see races. Now, that doesn't mean we give up our race when we shouldn't. We should embrace the fact that there are different people, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight, but at the cross... There is no race. The barrier's been broken down. But that means we learn to relate to people outside our comfort zones. And secondly, diversity is expressed in the use of our gifts. The church knew Barnabas. Let's send Barnabas. Barnabas is the most encouraging guy I've ever met. That's what they're thinking. Let's send him. Is your name Barnabas? Let's send him to Antioch to check this out because he has the gift of encouragement. And then he went and he's found Saul because Saul, he is an egghead for Jesus. He's a good teacher. And so you have the gift of encouragement. It's the gift of teaching. And we're introduced to Agabus, who had the gift, the prophetic gift. He was able to see, hey, likely today we'd call it the gift of discernment. Here's what I'm thinking is coming down the road. And those are just three in this chapter, we could go to uh, Romans 12, we could go to 1 Corinthians 12, we could go to Ephesians 4, and we could go to 1 Peter 4. Those are your big four chapters on the gifts, and you get lists, and, and it's bigger than the list, but Paul gives you those lists to see where might you be gifted in the church. And thirdly, diversity shines forth when everyone according to his ability, 
serves the greater gospel unity. Now in 29 and 30, some of, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers. In that context and in the context of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, according to the ability is financial. They were going to give each one um, to the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem, because they were standing up for the gospel, people were not supporting them anymore. So it is the church's responsibility. That is the immediate application. But we, when I say according to your ability, I think back to 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given a manifestation of the spirit. It's empowered by God. It is to be used for the glory of God. And so diversity shines forth when everyone, not just, not just I, I really hope, I, you know what it is a prayer of mine? right here, that this church could beat the 80-20 rule, that, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. I'd love to call it the 20-80 rule, that uh, 80% of the people do most of the work, and there's just 20 of us who sit around, and including myself, I'm not, I'm part of the 20. No, I want it to be 100, the 100% rule, where we're all serving the greater gospel purpose. And I want to mention when it talks about diversity shines forth, I want to mention three things. Number one, racial diversity. I'm so glad we have people here at this church that are different than me and the ethnicity with which I was brought up. It's so neat to see because it is Revelation 7 being lived out here on earth. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people's languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Mickey, one day you and me, both of us going to have palm branches. People say, why do you get so excited to have an Ethiopian read on Acts 8? Because isn't that the coolest thing ever? I'm doing Acts 8. He's talking about an Ethiopian. And we just so happen to have an Ethiopian in our congregation. I just think it's cool. I was fired up about it then. I'm fired up about it now. I'll just stay fired up about it. He, he was doing Psalm 133 and he said, do you want me to wrap it? I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> this is Eagle, Colorado. If we were in inner city Philly, you go for it. But, but he, he goes, man, it kind of rhymes. I was like, just read it. So he just read it. So we, we, we want to create that here. And we also want to create theological diversity. That is why you often hear me talk of the theological triage. I've taught it in Sunday school and in small groups that, that, that level one, this is important. This is the gunshot wound. We have to hold to these things. The existence of the Trinity, that there is a God who exists and he exists in uh, one God in three persons. The authority of the Bible, that this is not a place for me to get up and wax eloquent about what I think. I am merely to present to you the scriptures, draw out from the scriptures what is there, not look into the scriptures what I want to find and preach it. The deity and humanity of Jesus, you have to hold to both. The justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The necessity of mission, we must go. The commitment to complementarity between men and women. I've been saying this when I was a singles pastor uh, back in 2000. I said, watch out, this is coming. And I've said it almost every year. And you see it in the news. This is huge. 
It has become the litmus test to see if you, why is this such an important issue? Because how you land on complementarity is, it has everything to do with how you read this. Everything. It's that important. And the reality that Jesus Christ is coming back. How, uh, we can talk about it. I was raised in a certain way and I don't even hold to some of those things I was brought up in. We could talk, but here's one thing I know. And here's the hope for every person in here. And there's not only hope for the future, there's hope for the present. Jesus Christ is coming back and he's making all things new. And it's going to be great because we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth. And it's going to be awesome. Those are the things we have to hold to. Those are the things that I'm going to grab onto and I'm going to hang onto and I'm not letting go of. No matter what Rob Bell says, I'm not giving up on marriage. I'm going to hold to those things. And over here, the rest of this is open hand. Level two, are we Baptist? Are we Presbyterian? Are we covenant? Are we dispensationalist? I love talking to the multiple views that people hold in here and we're discussing over scripture and we're thinking it through. And I want this to be a safe place for people to kind of think through those things. That's level two. I'm hanging on to this over here. We'll talk about it. Level three, it's over here, but it's even down here. The sign gifts, the end times. I Pre-trip, post-trip, I have where I land, but I, I'm not going to pan-trip. It'll all pan out in the end. You got to take a, take a stance. But that's over here. That's like, let's go get a coffee. Well, I'm post-trib. Well, I'm, I'm pre-trib. And Jesus is coming back, right? All right, so I'll take a latte to go ahead and put that on your gift card, right? Racial diversity, theological diversity, and practical diversity. Time, talent, and treasure. Not all of us have the same amount of time. Uh, all of us have something, but our talents are different and all of us have different treasures to give each according to his ability and your talents. I want to land on that for just a second because you were, you were brought up on the gift of encouragement, the gift of teaching and gift of prophecy here today. There's other lists, but my question to you, are you, where, where are you with your talent and how are you using it for the church? How's that mix being contributed in our local church, in our local church? Because if we don't build Eagle Bible Church, nobody else will. And all of this deals with relationships. And I have a very, very important handout for you on your chairs. I'm not going to read the verses. But all of this is just merely hearsay. If we don't, understand our relationships with one another. And so I give you straight from Ray Ortland seven ways to guard and repair relationships. Folks, if we want to be unified in our diversity, we've got to hold to this. Let us rejoice in one another because the Lord rejoices in us. Number two, let us create an environment of trust rather than negative scrutiny. Number three, let us judge ourselves even as we give each other the benefit of the doubt. If we would concentrate on that one more than anything else, life would be good. 
If a problem must be addressed, let's talk to, not about. Gossip destroys. And if a problem must be addressed, let's avoid blanket statements, but identify factual specifics, offer a positive path forward, and uh, preserve everyone's dignity. You are is far too sweeping. When you blank, you always... I, I, sometimes I, I've said that I don't, I, to my wife. I don't say you always. Sometimes I say we always. And she goes, always? She's been trained. Let's get specific, Mr. Rumley. And I love number six. Very simple. Let's extend kindness. And seven, when we wrong one another, let's admit it. What I did was wrong. I'm sorry. By God's grace, I won't do it again. Is there anything I can do now to make up? So, my question to you is this. Individual, are you, is your life in tune with what God says is important? Are you giving your time, talent, and treasures to, to his mission, to his kingdom, individual? And church, beloved body, brothers and sisters, are our lives in sync with those around us who love Jesus? Are we both unified and diversified? Father, we need both unity and diversity. We do not need uniformity. Only you can provide it for us perfectly. Father, I pray as we take these principles we've learned here today, I pray that we would apply them to our life. Lord, thank you. There's no glaring divisions right now in the church. I thank you. But should the day come where we don't get along, I pray that we would be honorable and noble and kind and gracious in how we hold our differences. And might we always be unified around those things that are most important to you. Your son, your word, power of your spirit working in your local church for your mission until you send your son back. Like you've taught us in Acts, it is not for us to know those days and times, but we want to be your unified witnesses using our diversified gifts so that the good news goes out and many come in. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.